Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome, ghouls, to the Crypt of Horror, a Haunter's Podcast special dedicated to Tales from the Crypt. Now here is your undead host, Mr. Wonderful. Welcome in, fiends, to another episode of the Crypt of Horror. I am your ghoulish host, Mr. Wonderful. This Patreon exclusive going to dive into Tales from the Crypt, where we last left off was wrapping up on episode 8, season 3, and we continue forward with season 3, episode 9. Just diving right into this week's episode. No fluff, none of that, as we're going to talk episode 9, which dropped on July 24th, 1991. Its comic source was from Tales from the Crypt, comic number 39. Now, this was directed by Michael Thau, I believe is how you say your his name. Uh, hasn't really done much, not much of a director, not much of a producer. Uh, he's done a few things here and there, but nothing too major, which is kind of wild because this is one of the first times that we're starting to get to directors that don't already have a footing in Hollywood. You know, we've seen a few directors come along uh, that have already made horror films, that have had successes, have had hits, or the up-and-coming ones, the ones that had a breakout, but then kind of, uh, you know, went off and did some other stuff, or this is, we're, we're starting to get into, because uh, this episode and the next episode are actually the two directors don't have much credit to them. Now, now episode 10, that director, when we talk about that, he's got a little more to it. But Michael Thau really doesn't have much going on uh, as far as career-wise with directing, writing, producing, stuff like that. But either way, this episode is entitled Undertaking Poller. And I'm going to come right out and dive into it. Uh, so the plot of this episode finds a group of kids aspiring to be horror filmmakers. And they want to break into the local mortuary to see a real dead body. However, they soon stumble upon a sinister conspiracy of murder and greed involving the town's pharmacist and local mortician, which the boys plan to expose by taking the law into their own hands and film evidence of the mortician's murderous dealings when one of the boys' fathers died from poisoned asthma medicine. So this episode opens, we enter the crypt, and we get Director Cryptkeeper. So we get a little Director Cryptkeeper here, uh, and this week he starts things off with a quiet on the set. Deathly quiet. Fond felicitations, fiends, and welcome to the crypt. Tonight's sordid saga is about a couple of kids with time to kill. See, they're just dying to get into the horror movie business. And if they're lucky, that's exactly what'll happen to them. Lights, camera, action. And I want to stop right there for a second because it's very interesting. It's one of the few times up to this point that the Crypt Keeper didn't actually say the name of the episode. He didn't mention the name of the episode in the open, and he actually doesn't in the outro as well. Uh, but he does set it up right there, and as I mentioned through the plot, it, this is an episode that follows four teenagers. You got Jesse, uh, played by Jason Marsden, who you know as Max in the Goofy movie. He did the voice uh, for Max. He was also in Hocus Pocus. He was one of the kids uh, in Hocus Pocus as well. Uh, he's actually not bad in this episode. He does a pretty good job. Uh, but we follow Jesse, Aaron, 
played by Aaron Eisenberg. Uh, Josh, who is played by, um, looking at my notes here for a second, Josh, who is played by uh, Ki-Hue Kwan. We'll talk about him in a second because you know him. He is uh, short round. This is short round all grown up. He's like he—he he really, literally, is a teenager in this one. He doesn't look like the kid anymore that Indiana Jones might have eaten at some point. Uh, plus, Norm, who's played by Scott Fultz, they sneak into the morgue to film a movie. Uh, yet they discover the mortician, John Glover, Scrooge, Gremlins Two, part of the conspiracy. Because while they're there, like they break in, they, the four teenagers are just teenagers, you know. Three of them are all like. We're going to make movies and yay. And then the one friend is a little more like, I'm a rebel badass. You guys think you know scary? Let's go to the morgue. So when they're there, uh, they, they start going through the morgue and they come across one of the librarians and they're like, oh, wow, we didn't know she was sick and she died. I'm kind of pointing out how young she is, how healthy she was, stuff like that. And then they are kind of rummaging around and that's when the mortician, John Glover, uh, you hear him reapproaching. He comes home, back to the morgue. So they skedaddle, scatter, uh, go and hide because they can't escape the morgue without him seeing at this point. Uh, but while they're there, you know, they're trying to stay quiet and we get an idea of who this mortician is. Uh, John Glover's having fun in this episode for sure because he he's sitting there and he's getting ready to... Uh, do the whole embalming process and get her set up for her funeral. But he's cracking jokes. He's like, why are you not smiling? And proceeds to pick up a mallet and smash her face. And he's like, look, now you're smiling. Uh, But we see him stick a vacuum inside of her to suck her guts out, which actually for a second brings me to some of the things that I liked about this episode. Uh, And that is the dark humor. And this scene specifically has a lot of that dark humor that really made me laugh. Because while John Glover is, you know, taking care of this dead body and you see him stick the vacuum in, he's also eating a pizza like nonchalantly, just like, oh, you know, I'm dealing with this dead body, but eating a pizza and drinking a Coke and having a good time and dancing around and laughing. Uh, but there is some good tension as well in this episode, and this is a sequence that has it in the open where the kids are hiding and they're trying not to make noises and then accidentally one who hid in a coffin tries to peek out because he's the only one that can't see what's happening, so he tries to peek out, causing a noise, which causes the mortician to kind of creep to see, hmm, what is going on here? Uh, which then causes one of the other kids to make a noise, drawing him over there. Eventually it builds up to a whole oh, he's about to find the kids. But that is when we see somebody else walks in. We don't get to see who exactly it is. We just see their shoes and they got like snakeskin shoes on. And we're not really sure who it is, but he ends up having a confrontation with the mortician, John Glover. Uh, In the process of that, the kids do get out. They escape and they're like, ha ha ha. Oh, what, what a, what a hell of an experience that was. This is pretty crazy. Uh, But One of the kids does hear the doctor talking about how, hey, you know, we're going to poison some of the medicine and this and that. uh, And you and me, we're going to make some money on this and da 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 da. So they kind of overhear this collaboration, but don't think much of it. And they mention, like, oh, we've got the next rich guy lined up, the rich person's lined up. 
we're going to we're going to kill him with his asthma medicine. And, you know, kids go about their day, this and that. And then they go and they go to find short round uh, data and all of that. And that's when you see Ki Hu Kwan is like crying on his step and they're like, what's wrong? And they're like, my dad died last night. His ad his asthma medicine didn't work. And that's when the kids start realizing and piecing together the ones that overheard the we've got the next rich guy lined up that we're going to kill with asthma medicine. They go, yo, they killed your dad. So this becomes an episode of really very much like a Goonies stand by me style of an episode. It has a lot of those vibes with the four teens trying to solve a murder, trying to figure out what happened. Uh, now, another thing about this episode is this episode is kind of shot through like the POV first person because they want to be directors. So it's a lot of seeing it through their VHS cameras. So it has a little bit of that VHS feel to it, which is why I'm going to kind of knock this episode because I personally do not like movies, shows, many things like that. One of my least favorite episodes of Supernatural is the Ghost Facers episode in season three, the strike year, the shortened year of Supernatural. I hate that episode. I know a lot of people love it, and a lot of people love POV, VHS, camera, you know, the first person camera view. For me, I get sick watching those. I get motion sickness through the idea of the camera moving a lot uh, and, and kind of giving that. It, it took me forever to see Cloverfield. I'll put it that way because of that because of that idea of the POV, uh, paranormal activity, not a bad movie, but also I kind of knock that for the POV camera thing, but I give that a little more credit cause that had a lot of steady cam stuff as well. So I was able to watch that. Now a film like the Blair witch project that took me about nine or 10 viewings to actually make it through it. Didn't find it scary. Didn't find it cool or anything like that. So I'm not a big fan of those types of, movies or episodes. So I kind of knocked this episode for that. Uh, but I again, I do want to mention that it does have a lot of good suspense to it. Uh, I did like the dark humor that I mentioned already. Uh, and, and and the characters are all likable. The teenagers are likable. They're not, it's not like, oh, fuck everybody in this. Like there are likable characters. It's just, again, the POV stuff, not my favorite. And it usually instantly takes me kind of out of what I'm watching. So I felt a little disconnected at times from this episode. Uh, I do want to mention, though, that short round Ki Hu Kwan really good in this episode. Again, like it's it sucks to say I got to knock this episode because there are some strong elements to it. But filming it in a style that just I personally hate takes away some of the enjoyment so yes there's suspense but i'm also like uh, can we get out of this fucking pov shot yes there's likable characters but at the same time i'm like well, you know i really don't care that we're watching this through a pov of them uh i uh but getting back into the episode here they decide that they're gonna then figure out what's happening so they go about the town uh and that's when they come across like the town's doctor who works at the local drugstore and they notice his shoes and they're like, Oh, that's the motherfucker that killed your dad. Look at his shoes. He's got snakeskin shoes. Only a murderer would wear those shoes. Oh, okay. 
So the whole buildup in the second act of the show is them piecing together who the other person was and feeling that they figured it out. So now their plan is to go back to the mortuary and one of them is going to film what's happening and hide and film the mortician and this doctor who works at the local CVS, like conspiring to kill more people in the town to make a profit off of their burials. They go back and they're hanging out and this is where it gets very heavy POV stuff because you see the one kid sets up and you're watching it through his through him recording. So he's waiting. He's waiting. Eventually the battery gets low, but he does get that moment where he sees, oh, here comes the guy to confront the mortician again, to confront John Glover. And they have their confrontation and Glover proceeds to kill the guy to which the kid filming it proceeds to pop out. And he's like, oh, we got you, mother effer. You're caught. You're done. And that's when Glover is like, oh, yeah, I'm done. Give me that camera. I'm going to kill you now and proceeds to make a move to the kid. And I give the episode credit here because it finally cuts out of the POV and it goes to regular shots and you proceed to see that it wasn't just one of the four teenagers. It was two of the four teenagers were filming and then three of the four teenagers were filming him. And then all four of the teenagers were actually filming this. So John Glover's caught. He's pretty screwed. So he decides he's going to have to kill all four of the kids, tries to fight them off. And eventually the kids fight back and it leads to Glover being pierced through his stomach with the vacuum he used back in the beginning. So he's getting his guts just sucked out of him while he's alive. He dies. The kids are like, that's what you get, you piece of crap. Uh, as well as the other guy that he killed, that's what you all get. We have the evidence now that you guys were profiting and killing townspeople. And that brings us back into the close, which sees the Crypt Keeper going, oh, well, poor Sebastian, a brilliant career done gone down the drain. As for the kiddies, Josh gave up making movies, seemed he didn't have the guts, and the others, they became lawyers. Must have been the taste of blood. After all, they were certain they'd gotten themselves a killer. I mean, who wears shoes like that except a killer? So until next time, see you later, alligator. And that takes us out of the episode, um, which again, not a favorite of mine, but it all comes down to the POV stuff. So if you like that style, you will like this episode because again, it is strong characters. The teenagers are likable. John Glover is the mortician is having an absolute blast in this episode. Uh, and, and there are some other fun things about it as well. Like, uh, some of the trivia to this episode, for instance, there are three films mentioned and they're all movie connections. Lethal Weapon, Radio Flyer, directed by Richard Donner, plus one of the other films mentioned, Predator, was co-produced by Joel Silver. Both Donner and Silver are producers of the series, so a fun little connection with that. Also, um, the pizza box back in the beginning of the episode has the name Zemeckis on it. Robert Zemeckis, a producer, but also a callback, if you might remember, to the trap 
in which uh, we talked about mm, a few months back in November, I believe that was uh, that was the Michael J. Fox directed episode where our main character worked for Zemeckis Pizza when he got fired. So a nice little play within the universe as well of Tales from the Crypt, not to mention the throw out to Zemeckis as well. So uh, that's episode nine. I know that's kind of a quick one. It seems like a little bit of a rush job on that one, but it's not one of the longer, there's not a lot going on in this in that episode. It's really an episode that revolves around the four teens. They see something they shouldn't see. One of their dads dies, and then it be, the second act is them figuring out who the other person was, and then the third act is them going and doing the confrontation and getting the video they need. So again, if you're a fan of POV stuff, you'll like this episode. If you're like me and it's not something you're truly into, then you might not really fully enjoy this episode. Uh, So with that being said, that takes us into episode 10 of season three, which dropped on July 31st, 1991. Again, comes from the Tales from the Crypt Source uh, comic number 38. So we actually went backwards. The last episode was number 39. This is number 38. Uh, and it was, as I mentioned, directed by Manny Cotto, I believe is his name. And as far as directing credits go, nothing major. Now, writing and producer, he's been a writer and producer on shows like 24, Dexter, currently American Horror Story. So he's been more around the block as a writer and producer, but not much directing wise. Uh, but I got to say this episode, the minute I started it, it was one that instantly came back to me because I remember this one. I, I can't remember the VHS tape it was on growing up. I want to say it was Ghostbusters 2 growing up. For whatever reason, we had it on that tape. After Ghostbusters 2, this episode of Tales from the Crypt was recorded on it. I don't know. Back in the day, back when VHS is and recording and home, all that stuff, the weirdness that you get going. But uh, this episode, episode 10, is called Morning Mess, and the plot follows a homeless man named Robert who collects food, or I should actually take us into the open for this one before I get into the plot and the full description of this episode. So the opening, we see the Crypt Caper, and he's like, ah, there you are. You're just in time. I'm trying a few new recipes from my new Betty Croker's cookbook. I hope you like shish kebab. Damn, it isn't ready yet. Bob's still moving. Tonight's foul feast will begin with mashed potatoes, then on to some shrieking duck, and finished with a nice kielbasa. I call this tasty tidbit morning mess. And that takes us into the episode uh, that, again, I'm going to preface with, I like this episode. This is a fun episode. This is a good episode. This we got a lot more to talk about because this episode uh, opens up a homeless man named Robert collects food in a newspaper with the headline homeless killings baffle police out of a dumpster he brings them to another homeless man named dancer who uses the paper as a bedsheet when robert steps out once more a shadowy figure attacks dancer robert returns to help but only finds dancer's severed hand that's what i remember as a kid is that whatever vhs this was on growing up if i didn't turn it off quick enough it would open, and I'd always freak out with the severed hand. 
So he finds the severed hand. Robert panics, flees, leaving a bloody handprint behind. Following morning, alcoholic womanizer Dale Sweeney, played by Stephen Weber, who you remember from Wings, kicks his latest one-night stand out of his apartment, rushes out to a press conference in a cemetery. He's late. Uh, he's late to it, of course. Uh, Dale, a newspaper reporter, shares fighting words with rival reporter uh, Klimsky before joining the conference. He questions why the philanthropy group, a grateful, homeless, outcast, and unwanted layaway society, is donating more money to the cemetery over a charity that helps the homeless. Their group spokesperson, uh, Jess Gilchrist, played by none other than Jingle All the Ways, Rita Wilson. Yes, Tom Hanks' wife, Rita Wilson, as well, which we'll get to that fun fact down the road. Uh, Tom Hanks might be making his debut in a Tales from the Crypt episode and maybe even a directorial Tales from the Crypt episode. Just saying. But Rita Wilson, uh, his wife gets in on the fun before he ever joins the Tales from the Crypt crew. Uh, she verbally spars with him but leaves him curious. Meanwhile, Robert watches the conference from afar, sneaks a cocktail shrimp off of a catering table, and he's furious after a recently published article pins him as the homeless murder's prime suspect. So he does what anybody would do and breaks into Dale's apartment and puts a gun to the reporter's head once he returns home. He does insist he's not the homeless killer and actually instructs Dale to write an article linking city officials and the society to the murders. Uh, he even tells Dale to stake out the cemetery after sunset and to meet up with him afterwards. Dale asked why he picked him. Robert says, because you look hungrier than I do. So Dale, following that lead, shows up at the cemetery the next day. Finds nothing out of the ordinary, but he does bump into Jess, who notices his interest in the cemetery. He invites her to lunch at his place, baiting her into uh, baiting her in by agreeing to talk about the article he's writing. She agrees, doesn't eat much, leading Dale to assume she's a vegetarian. Uh, he even cracks a joke. He's like, oh, you must be one of those vegetarians. And she's like, oh, I, I eat, but just not really hungry or this food you're offering me. Uh, but he does admit to not having a story and proceeds to flirt with Jess, who relishes in the idea of helping her press relations. So they have sex. And, you know, she finds him good enough to eat as well because of that sex. Like, she's like, ooh, you're just so tasty. I, I could eat you. Uh, while cuddling later, Dale sloppily tries to get her to talk about the society. She sees a recorder. She gets angry fleas and he's all like oh but babe you know uh, pff, I'm just a pig whatever you thought I was tasty a minute ago now you ain't gonna give me anything all right whatever so later that night he heads out to meet Robert uh, and he stumbles across him mortally wounded and gasping for breath Dale tells him that he found nothing at the cemetery and Robert insists he didn't stay long enough and dies before naming his assailant or relaying any more details for the article. Uh, Dale, inevitably, because he's an alcoholic and he's a perv and all that stuff, he gets fired uh, for his unreliability in drinking. As a result, he's also evicted from his apartment, now rendered homeless. Uh-oh. So now our main character finds himself really through the seven layers of shit and in the area where he doesn't want to be, which is homeless. So now he's desperate for answers. He goes to the cemetery once more, stays all night, and that's when he witnesses a fresh grave sinking deeper into the ground. 
He digs, but surprisingly discovers that there's a door in place of a coffin. He falls through it and finds a series of tunnels littered with coffins and human remains. When he hears other people in the tunnels, he hides in a random coffin, unaware it's also hiding Robert's mutilated corpse. He shrieks and the coffin is lifted up. After furiously demanding to be let out, Dale opens up the coffin and finds it has been placed at the center of a dinner table. He looks around the fancy room, noticing portraits of ancient warriors with hideous faces. He's greeted by members of the society who reveal themselves to be behind the homeless murders. So, turns out, that crazy man was absolutely right. Robert was right. These people are behind the homeless murders. Uh, And Dale starts to realize the acronym for the society spells out, if you haven't caught on yet, ghouls. The members take off their human masks to reveal their true horrifying forms. Klimsky also reveals himself as a ghoul, rips Dale's ear off, and eats it as an appetizer. Uh, A ghoulish Jess also steps out of the shadows, repeats that Dale looks good enough to eat, and then devours him. Uh, This episode, let me tell you, gets into the gore of Tales from the Crypt, gets into the fun set pieces of Tales from the Crypt, truly is like day and night compared to episode nine, Undertaking uh, Pollard. Just so much fun is this episode because it is, it's a mystery unfolding. Uh, The Grateful Homeless Outcast and Unwanted Layaway Society, Ghouls for short, so clever because even I didn't pick up on it at first and I had seen these episodes a bunch of times, but I forgot. I just remembered, I remembered that there was something weird about the society, but I totally forgot that they are ghouls. Uh, And the fact that Dale gets completely eaten and the ghouls get away with their dastardly deeds of killing the homeless in their area to keep it somewhat clean by killing them and eating them so they stay fed. Uh, That takes us into our out, which sees the Crypt Keeper going, "Mm, pretty tasteless, wouldn't you say? I guess in the end, Mr. Sweeney learned not to go digging in other people's business, although you'll be happy to hear that he's found himself a new career as a ghostwriter. (laughs) So still hungry for dessert? I hope you like cannibal soup. It's mm -mm good. (laughs) And that closes out episode 10. Uh, Some fun trivia for this episode, though. As I mentioned, the name of the homeless shelter turns out to be ghouls. Uh, What are the other ones, though? As I mentioned, this comes from Tales from the Crypt. Morning Mess is the name of the episode, and it comes from the story Morning Mess. There is a slight difference, though, because in the Tales from the Crypt comic, it was actually about a man who wanders into a town frequented by vampires as opposed to the adaptation for television or HBO, uh, home box office, that is, uh, saw it as a reporter living in the town and there's already an issue within the town and the ghouls slash vampires already live there. So uh, this episode, though, I do recommend checking out Morning Mess. I think this is a fun one. I think it hits all the things that I love about Tales from the Crypt. It's wonkiness. It's it's even the good guy in this story, which I guess we could call him the good guy, the journalist, because he was trying to get to the bottom of what's happening. But he gets uh, he gets it because he's also a bit of a prick, so he gets it. The villains get away. 
Uh, but yeah, no, that's a fun episode, fun set pieces. The ending as well kind of remind, reminded me a little bit of like House of a Thousand Corpses. I, it's not as bonkers as that, but the idea of like going underground, underground tunnels, things like that, coffins, other body parts, reminded me a little bit of that. I know Rob Zombie didn't pull from this episode of Tales from the Crypt, but it has that feel like it's within the same kind of vein in a way. Uh, so that's this week's episode. Again, I really do recommend checking out Morning Mess. Uh, if you like POV sh- shot stuff, Undertaking Poller might be the one for you as well. Uh, but episodes 9 and 10. I so-so on episode 9 because of its POV. Love episode 10 uh, and definitely cannot wait to get into episode 11 and episode 12 uh, because really episode 11 that is. I probably should have done episode 12 in time for Valentine's Day this month. Uh, but yes. Oh, and talking about the episode with, I believe the Tom Hanks episode is actually coming up as well this season. If I trying to do a quick, maybe possibly that might be it. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Maybe it's not this season. It might be next season, but split second. I'm definitely looking forward to episode 11 and 12. Uh, but yeah, we're getting close to the end of season three. Cause we only have four episodes left this season, 11, 12, 13, and 14. So, uh, we'll talk split second and deadline coming up next month and anything else I can tease you with, with, Maybe who's in it or something like that. Mm, Nah, we'll just leave it at that. So until next week, kitties. (laughs) Hee 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 hee.